welcome to the Modern Mamas podcast. We're two modern mamas with a goal to inspire empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Evie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology, and mama to Bear and Laura here with another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast coming to you from Santa Cruz, California, but I've got some friends with me today who are coming to you from much further away. Um, Before I introduce them though, I want to give you just a quick update as usual. Um, I'm going to keep it short though because I want to spend most of this episode talking to these wonderful people. So I just got home from a trip to Portland. Um, Evie and I joined Rusty for his CrossFit Kids Trainer Summit, and then he left from Portland straight to Brazil for the weekend for a seminar, and Evie and I came back. Um, It was really cool, and what we're learning about that kid is that she travels well, she does well with uh, change, and then transitioning back to regular life seems to be pretty easy for her, and she likes to fly. Um, It seems like she really likes to ham it up when uh, whenever we're on a plane. Sometimes when we're in groups of people, she can get pretty shy, but for whatever reason, when we're on a plane, she hams it up and seems to like to smile and engage and grab at everyone around us. So fortunately, the people we sat with both directions were very into it, and that was fun. Um... We had an, it snowed, so Evie got to see her first snow, which was pretty magical. We ate great food, um, and stay tuned for a post I'm writing on all the baby-friendly cafes and good eats and things to do in Portland, so stay tuned for that, and I think that's it for now. So without further ado, I want to introduce to you guys some of our best friends, um, friends we've had for a long time since we first started CrossFit. These guys helped to teach us the ropes when it comes to CrossFit, helped to kind of launch both of our careers with CrossFit and we're so grateful for, grateful for them and we learn from them daily. Um, they are currently on a international trip with their two kiddos and I know we'll get more into that but let me just go ahead and start with their bio. So Pat, Taz, Oaks, and Arrow. So Pat and Taz are here recording with us and their sons' names are Oaks and Arrow. They live in Santa Cruz, a small beach town in the coast of Northern California. Pat um, was born and raised there, but Taz was born in South Africa and moved to New Zealand when she was 12. She blames her parents for giving her the travel bug, which we'll hear much more about in this episode. They met at a CrossFit competition in 2009. Fast forward eight years and they're running multiple online businesses and raising two awesome kids. Pat likes to surf, connect with people, make terrible dad jokes, and play Magic the Gathering. He is, he is happiest when he's around his family, specifically playing any sort of game. He is scared of the future, but is very good at living in the present. Taz likes to be in the ocean, experiment with cooking, be ridiculous with her friends, organize anything, laugh at Pat's dad jokes, and just be with her boys. She loves the future, especially organizing it, and is still working on living more in the present. Oaks, who is five, is he six now? Uh, no, he's still five. Okay. Likes playing Lego and being in the ocean. He is currently working on having fun, being curious, and trying not to be a complete dick to his brother. Arrow, who is nearly two, well, he is now two, loves to climb, swing, jump, eat, um, <laughs> eat Lego specifically, and laugh. He's learning to talk, poop in the toilet, and also how not to be a dick to his brother. They are sort of part-time digital nomads with a home base in Santa Cruz, but as we'll discuss 
a lot. They travel a ton. They are ever so grateful for the ability to be more mobile, but still have a home in the traditional sense when they need it. The barbers are making the most of the opportunities they have, and their dream is to help and inspire you to do the same in whatever capacity possible. They don't pretend that traveling with kids is easy, but for them, the positive benefit it brings to the family outweigh any of the hardships that come with it. When things get really hectic, their motto is, it can always be worse. They are, we are all healthy, happy, most of the time, fed, clothed, and in no immediate danger. Every moment they can spend with their kids is important, and they don't want to take that for granted. They also have a podcast called The Tribe Life with a goal to connect with other parents around the world so they can tell stories about the relationship and how they are currently raising their families. Rusty and I were on that, which I'll link to that episode as well. Um, the goal to provide a peek into the lives of other families around the world so that we can all learn from each other and connect with each other to remember that we are not alone. We are in this together. So that is a bit about these guys. We'll learn a lot more as we dive in, but without further ado, hi guys. Hi. Hello. <laughs> Thanks for coming on. So right now for me, it's 10, 14 AM. And for you guys, it's what time? 8, uh, 14 PM, PM. PM. What a trip. And before we got on, you mentioned you had just done 18.1. Yep. yep. Super easy. Super <laughs> easy. Super easy. So for those of you who don't know, today is the, the today's Friday for me at least, which means that the first workout of the CrossFit Open was announced yesterday evening, and it's a 20-minute AMRAP. Um, and these guys are OG CrossFitters. They've been at it for a long time. And even when they take breaks – like both of them could take at least a month off and come back and still kick kick ass in a workout, though maybe not recover quite as well as you used to. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> takes takes the old seven day recovery cycle, you know what I'm saying? And then jump back into another one. One day on, six days off. It's perfect for the open. That's all you need. It's one one workout <laughs> yeah. a week. I love it. So where did you do it? What affiliate? We were at CrossFit uh, Durban West, so it's a gym out here in Durban, South Africa. So, in this little, it's actually a cool, really cool gym. It's got it reminds me a lot of the original CrossFit Santa Cruz. Oh, cool! It's got a, a little bay door, a small downstairs area with a couple pull up rigs, and then a little upstairs loft area. But it's a perfect space for a, a nice little gym. Beautiful, that's awesome. So, I guess you're not affiliated with any gym this year. No, I mean I put my affiliation as CrossFit up oh, um, cool. because I, I love those guys and I want to be a part of what they do. But mm. I will not be doing any of the workouts there, and neither will Paz. <laughs> no. Yeah, because it's it's going to be over before you come home. Yeah. Sweet. Well, that's fun. It's kind of cool to do it at a different gym every week. I love it. Sweet. Well. Speaking of CrossFit, why don't you guys, I kind of mentioned it, but why don't you guys give us a little bit more insight into your story, how you met? You're on it, Tess. Tell the story. (laughs) I mean, I know it, but our lovely listeners don't. Some of them do because they listen to your podcast, but um, let's fill them in. Sure. Um, I'm going to tell it because Taz's version of it, we have a running joke because Taz's version of it's like, yeah, we we met at the games in 2009. Now we have kids. That's... (laughs) To the point. That's that's her, that's her her version. I'll tell you my version, but I'll do a shorter version of it. Um, basically, in 2009, Taz and I met at the CrossFit Games. She was the top female qualifier from the Australia New Zealand region. She had won that, uh, and I was had gotten fourth the year before, so I qualified into that year's games. Um, and she needed a place to train out in Santa Cruz while she was here for the couple weeks because the games were in Aromas. 
And she reached out to me because I had contacted her about a, uh, a video that was made about her by a local news station. So she had my contact information. She reached out, asked if I could train at the gym, gym I trained at. And I said, yes, I hung out with her for about Two weeks, and I like to say my dog fell in love with her before I did. He got to hang out with her, my little sausage dog. Um, Falcor. Falcor got to hang out with her for like a, a solid couple days while I went away on a seminar, I do believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I came back, he didn't want to come back and hang out with me. He just kind of wanted to hang out with her. Um, so I knew she was special. Uh, beyond that, I was in a relationship at the time, and – for me, what that did was remove any sort of actual relationship, uh, any sort of romantic relationship off the table with Taz. So there was no, there was no carnal or sexual side to our, our meeting and our, our hanging out. It was literally just hanging out with another person of the opposite sex. And it showed me what a relationship with a woman could be like minus the sexuality. And it was, uh, a absolutely wonderful experience because I had never known that I could feel so close to somebody of the opposite sex. It just wasn't, it wasn't a connection that I'd ever had before. Um, so I kind of opened my eyes when Question on that. Taz went meeting yeah, without, with sex off the table at the beginning. And so meeting in a more platonic way and then building that relationship that way. How do you think that has impacted your relationship now? Um, you know, years later, for the better? Well, I think for me, it, it kind of set the foundation is our relationship is based around our, our, our underlying, I would say not moral code, but our underlying connections and our value structures are very identical. And that's what drew me to her. And that's what made things easy. So I think having that be the foundation of our relationship, and that's what that's what I fell in love with. It wasn't just her super nice butt and mm. her beautiful, you know, back uh, <laughs> and face. It it had nothing like those were bonuses on top of it. And I think, I think as you go through life, physicality changes, and for the better or for the worse, it just changes. And so it's, it's from my personal experience, it's been it's been amazing to have the relationship not be based on that and have that still be an amazing component of our relationship, but not be the foundation because I don't know, I'm a dude. And generally I think about dude stuff stuff and (laughs) yeah, sex and, and, and not having that be what holds our relationship together because I may be thinking one thing one day and one thing another because the way my brain works. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's not what our relationship's founded on. So from, from my experience, like, and my, I think it's really strengthened my relationship with her. There's no question as to who I'm going to be with 20, 30 years from now, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. And probably sets a good about, stage for how you raise sons too, I'd imagine. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, I guess, I guess we can model that for them mm-hmm. because that's kind of what our relationship is. That's rad. All right, proceed. Oh, um, then, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, then, then she, uh, then, uh, sh- I broke up with the girlfriend I was with and Taz came and visited and then sex. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. 
Well, the funny thing was, like, I was all of the mindset that the relationship wouldn't work because I'm like, she lived in New Zealand. Mm -hmm. I lived in Santa Cruz. And I was like, yeah, she'll come over. We'll have some fun, you know, and then she'll go home and I'll never see her again. And she came over and like day one, she sensed that, that I was like, you know, not fully putting myself out there. And she just slapped me around, like just verbally, like literally was like, (laughs) what the hell are you doing? And I, I was and I was like, oh, you saw through my bullshit real quick. And she's like, just just let it happen. You know, just mm-hmm. just accept that uh, this relationship could work. And I was like, all right. So I did. And now we have two kids. <laughs> nice. It was, yeah, definitely the best decision ever. I love it. That's so great. And it's been really cool knowing you guys. I mean, I haven't known your, your, your whole relationship, but your whole marriage, at least, and seeing you guys develop and it's like every year it just gets better. It seems like from, at least from my perspective, which is really cool. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Okay. Would, sweet. Would you agree? Is that what you're going to say? I would. Yeah. 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 Cool. Um, okay. I love it. So then given all that, where are you now? So, uh, maybe just some brief insight into like what you guys do for work. Cause one of the questions that we got, which you can probably answer in answering this question is how do you afford all the travel that you do? So I guess first off, maybe where are you now? Like literally, um, and so a little bit about this trip you're on and then, um, what do you do for work that allows you to have that flexibility? Um, so currently we're in South Africa, like Pat said, we're in Durban and we're here visiting one of our gym local CrossFit affiliates. So that brings us to what we do for a living and we run an online programming session planning business called warm up and workout. And essentially what that is, is we write CrossFit programming for gyms. But more than that is the session planning and the the workout planning that comes along with it. So we include warm-up, skill work, coaching development, information, um, a community, and everything that surrounds, like, the workout of the day, basically. So like how we like to kind of talk about it is that you can get programming for free online. We don't really sell it as this amazing program. It's a GPP program and it's designed for CrossFit gyms, but we pride ourselves on the session planning and we think that's really important for a gym and to create unity amongst the coaches and the gym and make life easier for the affiliate owners. And yeah, so that's what we do for a living. And because it's online, we can do it from anywhere. Um, Pat also still works for CrossFit HQ and he occasionally will do seminars, level ones, level twos. He's done, he hasn't done any on the trip, but we have one coming up in Australia. Um, and we have also are in the process of starting another online programming session planning (laughs) business, which is called Yoked. Do you want to talk about, do you want to give a little... Sure. Intro. Yeah. I think what we're trying to do is we're the, the programming space is an interesting one because it allows people to, who have a platform to speak from like anyone who's got a digital platform with followers or anything like that, or if they've made a name for themselves as coaches or athletes, they can uh, put something out there as a product and people sell t-shirts, people sell, you know, supplements, there's all kinds of stuff. Um, but we personally feel like we we have a pretty strong grip on how to do CrossFit correctly, uh, at least the programming side of it. And um, we we launched the warm-up and workout 
have to help gyms because we're super passionate about that. And that's what, uh, we, we love doing. And then we were thinking of ways to kind of be a part of the individual market as well, because there's a, you know, there's 15,000 gyms worldwide and there's, you know, hundreds of thousands of CrossFitters, <laughs> you know, it's just a different, it's a different market. Um, and it wasn't purely for money, but just more to, to, make our lives more stable, you know, like the more, the more financial, like I hate to steal a thing that I've heard from some other people, but the more financial legs you have under your table, the more stable you are. So if you can have other revenue streams, it, it makes things like travel and not having a nine to five or not having a salary <laughs> in the true sense of the word, more stable. Um, so we launched, uh, we're launching another one called Yoked. Um, and it's kind of like a triple meaning sort of dealio, uh, I guess just double meaning, but mm. the yoked is slang for really ripped, but, and jacked, but it also means, uh, it's like a yoke, like the thing that links two animals together so they can do work. It's like that. It's a, it's a wooden object that goes around the two oxen's necks so they can pull a plow. Um, and the idea was that we wanted to create a partner program, um, where, partners can kind of be linked to each other, uh, to stay committed to the programming because the, the, the best programming in the world is useless if you don't do it. So you can have the greatest individual program in, ever. And if you're not doing it, you're not committed to anything other than just the program, then it, it, it's useless. So we wanted to try to incorporate something that was, you're c committed to somebody else. So we created one called Yoked, which is basically you sign up with a partner and you guys, can either do the workouts as partners because they're written as partner workouts, or you can kind of split it up and do them individually and just kind of at different times. But the idea is that it's mainly a partner workout for, you know, either you and your spouse or you and your bro or whatever it may be. And there's, there's more geared options. So if you have a good home gym or there's less geared options where it's like you more body weight stuff and maybe a dumbbell here and there. And yeah. And it came about because Pat and I, like, especially when we're on the road or if we have, for at home with the boys, um, <clears throat> excuse me, we end up always doing partner workouts because it's sort of like I go, you go, so that one person can be like manning the children if if they need, you know, if they're having, if it's a particularly bad day for them and they just need our attention, you know, sometimes they can just do their own thing for, you know, 20 minutes or whatever, but um, most of the time it's sort of like while he's going, I'm running after Arrow, while I'm going, he's, you know, doing something else with the kids. So that actually was Pat's idea. That's kind of how it came. He's like, you know, there's so many parents out there that probably are in the same boat that we're in. They're just trying to work out. They're not trying to go to the CrossFit games. They just want to get a workout in. And, you know, people use the excuses of their kids all the time, including us. Um, and so when we do these workouts, like these are so easy to do. And then we wanted to branch out because people don't always just work out with their spouses. You know, they also want to have a friend as a partner or, um, you know, their workout partner that they like to work out with or whatnot. So that's kind of how that came about. I love um, it. So Rusty and I yeah. can't wait to do them because you guys have free workouts already posted on your Instagram, which we'll link to. Yeah, um, that's right. And so Rusty, I, I like had a messed up neck for a couple of days and then Rusty's been traveling, but we're planning on getting on a little bit more of a consistent schedule because I miss working out with him so much. And neither mm -hmm. of us were, neither of us are at a point in our lives right now where we're trying to like compete hard or, you know, we just want to maintain our fitness and feel good in our, in our bodies. And so I can't wait when he gets back, we're going to start doing them at least a couple times a week because, uh, 
that's how it is. We can bring the kid to the gym, but she doesn't want to be ignored there. So as long as one of us is like looking at her or talking to her. So I love the idea of the back and forth partner thing. That's awesome. Yeah. And then we are also adding like a little bit of a mindfulness piece in there. Mm -hmm. So we're not sure quite how often it's going to be posted in there, but we want this to be bigger than like just, just something to, to grow outside of just the fitness realm. Which is huge. And our listeners know, Jess and I talk about mindfulness and like therapy and mindfulness based therapy and being present in every episode. So that actually makes me even more excited because, um, as you guys know, that's one of the biggest pieces of what health and wellness is the mind space stuff. So I'm excited to see that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to answer, then to answer the question about how that's how we can afford to travel, but actually more than that is the only way we can afford to travel is if we rent our house out. Um, so that's kind of a big one, you know, renting the house out. And when we go on smaller trips, we can put our house on Airbnb and we can usually recoup our mortgage back to pay for it and maybe make a little bit of extra money. Um, the goal is always just to pay the mortgage, really. And so we got lucky to find a, a great family that could stay in our house and look after our dogs for this trip. Um, and we also have a small Airbnb unit at the back of our house that we also rent out. So that has allowed us just a little bit of top-up income to help with, um, you know, bits and pieces here and there. Yeah, and I think oh, – You go. Yeah, I just – I just, I mean, for anyone looking to do stuff like this, to looking to travel or looking to just kind of take advantage of <laughs> the current situation in the world, I, like I think if you're remotely creative and you can start – taking whatever free time you have and looking for little projects to earn more money, like it, it's really possible right now. The, the, with the internet and the way things are going with things like Uber or Airbnb or shit, I saw one where you could rent your surfboard. Like you you put it up on a thing and it's like an Airbnb for surfboards where people can come and rent your surfboard and then you pay it off after a little bit and then you make you know, 20, 30 bucks every time someone takes it out. There's just, there's so many options like that. And then with the digital market space, it's, I feel a little weird talking about it because we had a platform to speak from. Like I'm not by any means a celebrity, but I had a following and that allowed me to leverage that following to have people see what we do. So it's like free advertising. When I post on it, people can see it. But as I understand it, and as I've been researching this whole game, it's, it's pretty easy. Like you can pay other celebrities to, to rep whatever you want to do. You want to start a t-shirt company or a sock company or a, like there's so many ideas. Um, the house was a big thing though. Like figuring out that we could rent an Airbnb and cover our mortgage. Mm. And then on the road, we stay at places that are not that expensive. Like when we, yeah. So we just, yeah, we try and be smart about where we stay and how much we spend. And because of Airbnb, we can stay in someone else's house and have a kitchen and, you know, in some cases have a pool or have, you know, the luxuries of being at home. Whereas, you know, other, you know, staying in just a, a hotel, like it's not our ideal situation. We're and not, usually more like, expensive too. Hotels are and more expensive. It's, exactly. It's usually more expensive. You don't have a kitchen. Um, yeah. Hotels suck. I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've come to the conclusion hotels are, are just yeah. like, they just vi- they take all your money. Mm-hmm. Like they're expensive. And, and you can't cook your own food, which makes it so you have to buy all their expensive right. and, and crappy food. And I find them dirtier. So people who are like, oh, an Airbnb, someone else's house, um, in my experience, Airbnbs are usually cleaner. 
Um, you don't have the same yeah. kind of like turnover or, you know, people, I don't know, people take care of it because it's their home versus who knows how yeah. much. Uh, yeah, I think it's kind of gross. Yeah, that, we, we agree. Like that's, we, and we feel good about that, but we do understand that there are people out there because from, you know, this is just from running an Airbnb. There are people that are Airbnb people and mm-hmm. there are people that are hotel people and that's fine. Yeah. We're just Airbnb people. I think if you don't mind, if you like human interaction and, um, you know, because we've met most of the people that we've gone to the Airbnbs with. And like, I think some people just don't want that, you know, like they don't want to have to meet and chat with people and they just want to, they don't want to see people's photos on the walls and mm-hmm. people's personal space. And I get that. That's fine. Um, but we, we don't really care about stuff like that. I love so. it. I feel like it helps with travel in terms of finding, like you're going to get way more insight onto local good restaurants and things to do from someone who lives there than Yelp. You know, Yelp is usually people who are visiting and are snotty or whatever. So I think that's cool. And Yelp doesn't work in South Africa. Yeah, there's no Yelp here. (laughs) No Yelp there. TripAdvisor or something. But no, they, they, it they, they don't really. You might as well just ask a local and you can tell them exactly what you're looking exactly. for. And like, that's what we, yeah. that's what I found to be way more helpful in Portland. Um, yeah, that's what we do. Sweet. And then also to add to that, you guys have some like some skills that have allowed you. So for instance, like Pat, uh, Taz, I don't know if you helped much or at all, but Pat, you built out the van. Did you guys do that together? I don't know. I was yeah. um, the designing coordinator. Oh, shush. The creative mind behind it. Was, so you built out the, the van idol. yourself and you you built out your back Airbnb. It was just like a shed when you guys moved in. And now it's this awesome little Airbnb with a kitchenette and a cake and a bathroom and whatnot. So you also have the skill, some skills that you've probably self-taught that have allowed you to save money on those things, which now are bringing you in money, which I, I find to be pretty cool and inspiring um, myself. So. Totally. Awesome. But yeah, but those are not skills that I like had. No. Like I wasn't a builder. <laughs> it was like my my dad is named Jerry and and he jerry rigs everything. <laughs> and I thought jerry rig was a Jerry or Jerry? Jerry. Yeah, I thought jerry it was a, I thought it was a term that was that was made after him. And I was like 22 when someone actually used it at college and and I was like, "Oh, you know my dad." And <laughs> and they're like, "No, that's a term." And so, but that, that's how my dad builds. It's like, it's ghetto, but it works, you know, in the end it works. And so my dad and I, and his buddy, who's an actual contractor. That's why I'm the design coordinator because I make it so it's not ghetto. Yeah, sure. (laughs) And veto the ghetto. Sure. Anyway, the the building, building what you'll find. And I think anyone can do it. You just have Mm -hmm. to, it takes time and there's a pretty steep learning curve and and nothing looks good until the very last step. And I think anyone who wants to build something understand that. Like nothing looks good until the very last mm-hmm. step, which is like all the finishing work, like the trim and the painting and the, you know, plastering little holes and stuff. Like it's all fudging it. It's all like making up for mistakes you made earlier. And then in the very end, you just cover it all up with a, a layer of paint. You're like, man, this looks pretty good. <laughs> like, and you just gotta, you just gotta do it. Yeah. And the, the van, I, you mentioned it. I don't know if your listeners know what it is, but we built out a sprinter van. So the, the Mercedes sprinter, we bought one that was gutted and then spent seven weeks building it out so we could travel across the country. And I have absolutely no regrets about that. Like so cool. I don't have a normal car. That's all I have now. And it is so fun. Mm-hmm. I love it. 
Yeah, as do we. And so that leads us to a question. Um, one of our listeners does know you You have the van. And she says, um, we are about to embark full-time RVing with our six-month-old. Any tips for us? What is the hardest part about full-time travel with kids? Because you guys did it for about a month, right? You went out to Madison and back yeah. Um, yeah. last August. So what are your thoughts there? Oh. <laughs> Okay, pause. It, it, uh, did, you guys I don't froze. think she heard you. No, what'd you say? Oh, I said, do they have dogs as well? <laughs> Hopefully that'll make it more fun. <laughs> yeah, because it, it does, it is, actually for us, that was kind of a game changer when we mm-hmm. took the dogs in the, the van. It did make things a lot harder. But if it's just them and the, the six-month-old baby. She doesn't say anything about dogs. Um, I think the baby just adapts. I mean, like, you have to accept that certain things aren't going to be the way you want them to be. Like if you're traveling, if you're doing six hour travel days or something like that, and you know, you got to stop for a nap or whatever it is. Cause the baby doesn't like it when you're driving. It's like, no, you just gotta, yeah. you just gotta kind of like, you gotta accept that things are like the schedule that you may have set. It's not, it's not going to be there. The ba- baby might go to bed at nine just because of the way the travel day works. Yeah, and it doesn't I, think want to sleep. I think that's the biggest thing with all being in the same space. I don't know how big this RV is and maybe they each have, maybe there's space for the baby and there's space for them in a separate room, um, like to put the baby down before they want to go to bed. But I think that was the one thing we found like traveling, like when the kids go to bed, unless there's space and it's warm enough for us to sit outside and talk and, you know, get some stuff done or whatnot, uh, we were all going to bed at the same time. Yeah. And that's, that's fine for short amounts of time you know for like a couple of days here and there or a week even but for long periods of time like we didn't have any of our own time um and i think that that can weigh on you a little bit because then you're waking up and you're all together again and then it just it's just kind of like groundhog day and it just keeps happening and you know you and your spouse need a little bit of time for yourself so i think just trying to figure out a way where you can put the baby down to sleep and then you make time for the two of you to chill or you know do whatever did you guys have yeah. a baby monitor uh with you or anything or because that's one thing um i've thought about is kind of following the warmth as you can like so you have a few maybe a few days where the weather's not great and you all have to go to bed together but then like maybe seeking out space where you can hang out outside the rv um did you have a baby monitor or was it could you hear if one of the little ones woke up or or what was your situation there how how that yeah, sleep look like we were always, we were always just right outside. Yeah. Like, because our kids don't wake up once they're asleep, they're asleep. So mm-hmm. we can be outside talking and stuff and it's totally fine. So we could always hear them. Um, yeah. If one of them cries and, and like you always just kind of go in and look at them and yeah. see that they're fine. Maybe having a baby would be different because yeah. it, it's a baby, but our kids are five and two. So we're not as worried about, about that. Anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're, we're the sprinter vans are unique cause it's, it's one open space. There's no like, dividers or anything like that. Whereas I think a lot of times in RVs, you have some sort of closure in certain areas. You can shut a door, you can put someone in there and, and it, yeah, it was, it was a little hard at times, mm. you know, putting the kids down at six o'clock or seven o'clock and then we can't talk. Right. Yeah. And, and Pat, you're used to staying up late too, aren't you? He is. Yeah. Yeah. He so still I, would. He would just sometimes like either be outside or would sit in the front seat. And, yeah. Watch um, a movie. But I think also one thing, like Pat was saying to just kind of go with the flow, but I, I, I will say that, um, and maybe that's more like a mother brain or just uh, always in the back of my head. Like 
I try and have some sort of routine for the kids. And maybe six months old isn't enough for them to like feel it as much as, as like a five and a two year old. But it's sort of like on this trip, <clears throat> it's always kind of like we get up, we have breakfast and we all just chill as a family for the morning or whatever. And then we go and do something. So there's, there's always that consistency around when they're waking up, what they're doing when they wake up. And then before bed, we do the same thing and you know, they get to read and then we go to bed. Like I think, just having that that routine set and and like Pat said if you're like traveling and stuff during the day then you know you just have to go with the flow but having something for them to just know that's going to be there some sort of like security because we are away from home and um especially for these our two you know it can it can be kind of hard on them so as long as that they know that there's that small sense of security. I think it helps. I love that. Yeah. Even for us, I mean, I can't really compare our travel, but we went to Portland and we co we co-slept while we were there, but we kind of kept some of the same routines. And then last night was our first night back home and she transitioned really easily back to just like sleeping in her crib and, um, and whatnot. And I feel like that's because like you said, those same routines where it's like, maybe, maybe you don't have a bath. You can do like, we do like a wipe down and then jammies and then read a book and then put her down. And, um, so. Exactly. Yeah, I think, and I love that. The morning matters too, I think. Having that slow morning and waking up, like how we run that seems to help a lot. So uh, I like it. I think there should be, yeah. it's important to have some flexibility. You, you actually don't have mm-hmm. a choice, <laughs> but I think the routine right. is important. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so moving on then to this trip, more specifically, um, what has been one high and one low in terms of like the, the trip so far? Oh, man. And if, if you guys haven't heard, you should go listen to their one of their earlier podcasts when you guys described, Pat went on and talked about your initial trip out. Maybe we'll just skip that. <laughs> and that's like a given that that was yeah. a little oh, bit tough. Well, I guess. I mean, that's, that's I mean, probably that's the low. Still, yeah. That's still the low. The, like, no, the, I, that wasn't even a low for me. The first hour. That was hilarious. Where everyone was just throwing up everywhere. And <laughs> yeah. it I'll end. link to that episode um, too because it was, uh, it was awesome. You know, like it sounds pretty cliche or like, I don't know, but we haven't really had anything negative mm-hmm. or bad or low. Like, and that's probably mindset or, because things probably shit probably has happened that maybe some, it's right. someone else that would have been a low, but for you guys, like the way you take things in stride and your headspace around this trip, I think um, probably helps there to not seem like there's been any lows, which I love. Yeah, I think so. I think, especially being in South Africa, like, we're just so aware of, well, I, I am anyway, I can't talk for Pat, but, like, the the discrepancy here between poverty and money is just so huge, and it's it's just right in front of you everywhere you go, and so I'm constantly thinking about how great of a life we have and how lucky we are to do this, and... Um, trying not to like drill it into our kids' heads because they're only five and two. But, you know, occasionally it kind of comes out when when our tolerance is low or whatnot and someone asks for something when it's just like totally irrational. But um, that didn't answer your question. Anyway. No, okay. So um, I would say, let me, let me answer a little bit for myself. And okay. you, can, you can think a little bit more. Okay. Or did you have an answer? I still don't have Okay. I'll say one low was uh, at the beginning of the trip in or not at the beginning of the trip when we went to the UK first the amount of travel we did in the UK allowed made it so I couldn't enjoy what we were doing so we were we 
we went to like 20 spots in Ireland across <laughs> freaking. It wasn't 20, but. 16 days. Maybe for, five. Yeah. No, it was not five. We were in like a new Airbnb every other night and we maybe stay places for one to two nights. And it was like, pack all the car up, unpack the car, pack the car up, unpack the car. And it was just this constant go, go, go. And I, I like to kind of go to a place and be there for at least a few days so I can get my bearings, you know, because as a, I feel like as the, as the man, I feel like I need to protect. And I don't know if that's right or wrong, whatever it is, but that's, that's how I feel. And when I'm in a new space, I have to be constantly looking at everything and figuring out, is anything here harmful? Like I'm gauging my surroundings is like, what do I need to be on the lookout for? And then once I've been in that space a little bit, my mind can start to relax and I don't have to register every little thing in every single room or every situation that we're in. Um, and that, and that is as stupid as like, I, I don't need to use my GPS as often, you know, like that, that's, be, be, if I turn down a wrong street, I don't feel like I'm going to get stabbed or something like that. Um, anyway, that was a bit of a low for me. And since we've been in South Africa, we've been in more, like, I would say these are arguably more dangerous places as a country. It, it is in the UK, but we've been in places for like five days at a time. So it's been significantly better. Like I, I would, I've loved being in South Africa. Um, I would say my highlight was there was a day that we were supposed to go up to Jeffrey's Bay, which is this world famous surf spot, but our Airbnb fell through, which was a weird experience in and of itself. And we didn't get to go up. But then the next day at the place we were staying, some gorgeous surf rolled through. And all of a sudden I got this like me and one other guy out with head high barreling waves for two hours by myself. It was amazing. <laughs> so I'd say that's, that would be one of my highlights. I love okay. It. That's cool. And you know what um, I love about that too is that um, you guys, when you travel, it's not just for your kids. Like your highlight was legitimately a highlight for you, an activity you got to do. And I think that's important to note on a trip like this, like it has to be just as much for you as for your kids. The kids are getting tons, no doubt, out of this. But um, I think that that's important that uh, you guys also are enjoying it for your own like mm. pleasure and not just for the kids' experience. Yeah. Yeah, I think my, I don't I don't share the traveling from place to place like Pat does. I don't mind. I'm used to traveling, I think, and I think that's Pat hasn't traveled as much as I have. So, and being the person who feels like he needs to keep us safe, I think that makes it even harder uh, for him to be feel comfortable in a place. I'm probably also a little like naive, and I kind of trust everyone a bit too much, and I don't think anything bad's going to happen. But so I, I probably do – I don't shoulder any of that, so it kind of all falls on him. So I don't really don't really have any lows. I think my highlight is more of like a overarching kind of theme about just like the trip, especially like Pat said, when we do stay in places for longer than a couple of days. Like it's usually a week here and there. And we stayed at this one beach in Cape Town for a week. It's just outside of Cape Town. It's a very small like beach town, just hardly anybody around and we just chilled like it, it was kind of the first week where I didn't feel like I needed to be doing something you know we woke up or I, I still my, my routine is still trying to get up really early and do some work so I'll try and get my work done first thing in the morning and then 
we're all up and we just kind of, we don't have anywhere to be. No one has to go. We don't have to drop anyone off at school. I don't have to make anybody a lunch. I don't have to, it's just, it's this really freeing feeling. And I think that week of just being able to like not have to be anywhere was really great and eye opening and even more like, wow, this is so cool that we get to do this. And, um, and that's kind of continued from there. It's just that feeling of not having to be anywhere and being, like I said, I'm working on being more present. This is teaching me to be more present. That's so cool. That, that week was awesome. It was a place called Kamaki, and it's this little, like, beach town that's super quiet, but there's a bunch of, like, families, families. everywhere. Yeah, and we, we rented this place that had a pool, had a hot tub, and it was like this – it had, like, in the bedroom, there was a toilet just in the room <laughs> along with a giant bathtub, like just in the room. So you're, you're like, you could talk to people while you're doing your business. And, uh, and, but the cool thing was the beach was a two minute walk. Like it was literally every morning, like she's saying, she would get up and work. And then when the boys woke up, we would, we, we'd have a pot of coffee made. We'd make them their little bottles. And then me and Oaks and Arrow would go down to the beach and do dragon rider training where yes. we would, we would, meditate for a certain amount of time we would do some stretching some yoga style stretching and then we would do a run on the beach um and oaks got super into it and i would carry arrow and he would get into it and it was just this routine that built up that felt so natural and it was awesome i'm really bummed that we are not staying there for the rest of our trip we wanted to stay (laughs) we wanted to stay there longer and i don't know maybe maybe we would have got sick of doing that but i don't know we weren't sick of it yet we were very happy to just be the four of us and you know that was the first week that like our kids don't get to watch a lot of tv but Mm -hmm. oaks loves tv so it's very hard when we're with other people staying at friends and families you know other people get to watch more tv and we're not the parents that say no if tv's on you know Mm -hmm. if tv's on and other kids are watching it's fine we let them watch but it's definitely more than what we would prefer him to watch so when it is just us we we kind of limit it even more that whole week, not once did he even mention wow. TV at all. Like, and then the first, and then we come to this hotel. The first thing he sees is this playroom, and it's got a TV in it. And now this poor kid is obsessed again. And he even he even said to us the other day, he goes, "Mom, you know, I really, I really like myself. You know, I, I like who I am, except I don't like how I'm so obsessed with TV." <laughs> Poor kid. That's so sweet. That kid is like wise beyond his years. It's amazing. (laughs) I said, I'm sorry, buddy. Yeah. So anyway, it was, there was a high for sure. That's so sweet. I want to go someday. That's, I just wrote it down. I'm going to link to it too. So people can find it. Um, Taz, you mentioned like loving that you didn't have to drop anyone off at school or make lunches. So what are you guys doing? I'm sure you've gotten this question before. Like what, what are you doing for school for Oaks? How's he going to learn? Um, well, he's mm-hmm. doing the school of life right now and <laughs> which is just as anyway, he does workbooks mm-hmm. like every other day. Like he has a, like five different workbooks, some are from spelling, some are for math, some are for, some are just maze books, some are just like activity books. And it's more just that he sits down and focuses on something for as long as he can. And then when he can't focus any longer or it's, you know, we have to go or whatever, then we stop. And 
sometimes he'll stay and focus longer than other times. And some days we go for five days and he doesn't do it. But to be, we're not concerned at all right. about his schooling. Yeah, I mean, he's five. I yeah. think yeah. I think there's plenty of years to, to catch up or do whatever they got to do. And, and, like, I don't think they're taking too much on board in terms of, like, scholastic intelligence, mm. like, at these ages, even if you are making them read and write, they somehow get it a little bit quicker. Um, I would imagine I he's think, learning way more on this trip than he ever would in a classroom. But Yeah, I'm, I, I do too. Oaks is, he's, yeah, he has grown so much mm-hmm. in this last three months. You know, we've worked through a lot of stuff with Oaks, um, just, you know, emotionally and like with him and his brother and just being the four of us has, has helped a lot for That's us so cool. and for Oaks. The thing I, the thing I worry about is discipline. Mm-hmm. Like I, he, I mean, I don't know what age it is that you teach discipline. Like, and I think you, you kind of, as a parent have to model it. Right. Mm-hmm. I I'm not a particularly disciplined person, so that's a hard thing for me to do. So I'm working on that. Taz is pretty disciplined, but I don't know times that the kids would see her discipline. Um, and and I know school kind of f- forces that in a way because it's like this is what you have to do. Like this is a routine you have to go through. These are certain standards that need to be met. And it, it, like I don't necessarily say I'm for those standards, but there's a certain role that discipline plays in your life, and it's like when do you teach that and how do you teach that? And I, that's what I'm thinking about these days and wondering what we're going to do or how we're going to do that. I love that. Um, I think that's something, there's probably no hard and fast answer to that anyways. I think it's every kid's probably different and it's like a matter of figuring yeah. out as you go. Um, that yeah, kind of trans- transitions us into more of like the parenting questions we got a few of. Um, so the first one is I always love hearing about how parenting styles evolve over time. What ideas were you committed to at the beginning with Oaks and how have those changed? Well, I said I wouldn't strangle him. <laughs> and and that's changed to strangling. No. Um, I don't know. I don't think we had any. I think I think the ones that we had were always centered around like the baby phases, like, oh, we're not gonna we're not gonna co sleep, we're gonna sleep train him. And for the most part, we stuck with all of those. But then I think it's more like what evolves from the first child to the second child. Mm-hmm. And, um, it's the kids are different. You never, I think until you have the second one, you never realize how different they really are because you just assume you're going to do the same thing, but it's never going to be the case because you're in different stages of your life. There are different children. And, um, and yeah, you change your parenting style based on what worked and what didn't work. So, I'm I'm currently reflecting a bit on because one thing we chose to do was was not coddle him when he fell. So like not be like, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? Because that it, be like, are you okay? Yeah, of course, yeah. of course. I'm saying we wouldn't we wouldn't make a big deal of it. Right. Be like, yeah, hey react. buddy, are you okay? Yeah. You know, like. We wouldn't react in a way that he would then respond to our reaction. Like we made a very clear point to like when he fell, it'd be like, "Hey, buddy!" Like, like, yay! Yeah. You're yeah. maybe not even you're okay because I think you're okay is toxic too. Yeah, me because too. you're okay is telling them they're okay and they might not be okay. Um, but I, in my mind, I think that's toxic. But the, but we made a big deal of doing that. We did a great job, and like, if they actually hurt themselves 
they would cry, you know, but if they, they were just like surprised by it, their response would then be, Oh, I'm fine. They'd bounce right back up. But what I'm seeing as a negative side effect to that is that when Oaks watches his brother fall, he doesn't give a shit. Like, like sometimes he does. No, he never does. And he doesn't <laughs> care that if he did it or if he didn't do it, he like he's his response is like zero because that's been our response to him every time. It's like it's like there's no emotional reaction. It's literally just like like and and I don't know if that's maybe a stage he's in, but it's caused me to think that maybe how we treated him so flatly with that has now that's how he responds to people crapping out, you know, and, and hurting themselves. Maybe. But when we hurt ourselves in front of him, he always makes sure I'm okay. If he's in the mood to. <laughs> right, but that's what I think it is with Arrow too. I think if he's in the mood to, sometimes he will, you know, I think you're right. It's more often than not he just sits there and stares at him. But I also think he's a little confused as to what to do because if he was the instigator, then he thinks he's going to get in trouble. And ah. then he just sits there and is like, oh, no, I'm going to get in trouble. What do I do? And then we're like, help him, help him, help him. And then he just like – doesn't know what to do Mm -hmm. and then if he didn't do it then he's like well maybe i did do it like it looks like he's questioning himself because he's usually the one who makes sarah cry and Um, i think at this age i don't know the exact age but kids don't even have the capacity for empathy yet um i forget what age they develop that i don't know it's empathy or just like situational awareness Mm, yeah (laughs) you know like someone falls regardless of whether you care whether or not they fell you should be like whoops you know especially if you did it you should be like, my bad. I didn't mean to do that. Mm. You know, and I think that he completely lacks that. Mm. Like he doesn't even, so he doesn't, so she said he fears getting in trouble. I don't even think he fears getting in trouble. Like he doesn't respond to the situation like, crap, I better make it so Arrow doesn't cry. I even told him, I've been like, hey man, if Arrow doesn't come to me and he doesn't make it past you and you make him better, I don't care if you you were the one who heard him. <laughs> like, like you have full reign. If you make him better before he gets to me, mm-hmm. then, then we're good. And Oaks oh. just doesn't care. So like he instigates the, the hurt or whatever, and then if he fixes it, then no one gets in trouble. Exactly. Ah, I like that. Yeah, but he doesn't care. He, <laughs> he just doesn't. let Arrow walk right by him and come right to me. And it doesn't even say a word to Arrow, even if <laughs> he did it. That's interesting. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Yeah, it'll. I mean, I imagine things change like weekly with kids. Yeah, they do. Um, keep us po- keep me posted on that. I'm super curious because the kid is he definitely is like he's in tune with people and he he knows what's going on. So that's interesting to me. And mm-hmm. he's a sweet kid. Um, yeah, so that's I, why it's so weird to me. Yeah, and it's only in this type of a situation. It's only with error. Well, and it's better with that than like, haha, you know. No, no, no. He does it with other kids too. I've watched other kids fall around him and he doesn't do anything to like make them better. That's why it weirds me out. But okay, but um other kids do that too. It's not just yeah. our five year olds. I see most kids just sitting there nah. and not doing anything. So it might be an expectation issue versus a kid right. issue with the kid. <laughs> yeah. He is wise minded beyond his years, but he is only five. Exactly. Uh, that's funny. Okay. Well, 
Um, then I guess the next one is how do you guys, and she also wants to know Laura, no, I'm Laura, Rusty and I, how do we handle other moms and parents giving opinions or unsolicited advice about your parenting style? This kind of segues off that one. I don't know if anyone's ever said anything to you about Oaks, but, um, she said, I live in a smallish Midwest town and not all of the things I do parenting wise are mainstream and I get questioned or get advice a lot. It stresses me out sometimes. Personally, I'll just leave it at this. I don't give a shit. Um, my, my mom's here. She just chuckled because she knows that's the truth. Um, I'm unfazed, but um, I'd be curious to hear what you guys think. Taz? (laughs) We haven't really had anybody say anything to us, have we? The one story Uh, that stands out to me that you guys told me was, remember there was like a Christmas or a Thanksgiving where – your whole family wanted a big family photo and Oaks was like not having it. And he was having a really hard time. And like, everyone's uh, kind of like, get Oaks in the picture. And Pat turned around and was like, Hey, like lay off. You mean I, believe, I believe the term was, was, you could say, I don't know what you're, no, I, I told them to shut the fuck up. Good. Yeah. So I think to, to, to my family, <laughs> I think we don't really care either. Um, the biggest one that I think people, have mentioned things is like if we talk to someone about homeschooling the kids and we always get a few questions with that like what about it what are they gonna do for social or that you know just yeah this and that and um and i mean i guess they're like valuable questions to have us thinking about the answers to them as well Mm -hmm. so that's not necessarily like a really a parenting and I think we have it a little easier, I guess, for lack of a better word, than she might because of where we live. Um, there's not yeah. a lot of judgment here. If, exactly. if I decided I wanted to, like, smack my kid's knuckles with a ruler and button up her shirt to her neck and send her to private school, and then I might we might get some more flack than we do. But right now we don't really get any because we live in a place where people are pretty like-minded. A bubble. Mm-hmm. We live in an echo chamber bubble. Yes. It's Santa we just hear all the same stuff all the time. What I would say though is, is that, I mean, I've had people question what we do. I've had people question what we do. And, and it, like the thing is Taz and I, and you as well are both, we're all very strong willed when it comes to the decisions that we make. Right. Um, we've, we've come to these conclusions based off of research and based off of our life experiences and our paradigm is shaped such that now we view everything the way we do. So when, when someone questions that, we have a pretty firm answer as to why, why we're doing that. However, I think the, the, the mistake would be to not look at why they questioned that and not take on board, you know, maybe there's some truth to why this person's questioning this and what's the direction they're coming from. Um, and I, because I think it's too easy to get stuck in our own little bubble and be like, you know, we keep telling our son X, Y, and Z, and all of a sudden says, someone comes in and say, why do you keep telling him X? I always usually say F, and then you go, wait, why? Like, you, you have your reason that you've been doing X, but why not question your system and reevaluate and see if, if you still hold true to those beliefs? Because I think that's, that's the mistake. And I, I think the, the girl that you're talking about on there, it's like, she does what she does with her kids because that's what she believes in. And I would say there's no stress necessary there. Just find quick ways to get out of those conversations if you don't actually want to have them. 
I personally love conflict, no. so I'll happily, <laughs> yeah, so I'll happily have that conversation and try to switch their mind. Yeah, but find a quick way to get out of that conversation yeah. and then and then reflect on whether or not they were challenging something that 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 needed to be challenged. And most of the time, it's gonna be no. But sometimes you'll be like, maybe I shouldn't give my kid Coca Cola, you know, or whatever yeah. it is. So yeah, I think I sitting think with Pat, the why is huge. That's awesome. Yeah, what we're gonna yeah. say. Yeah, I think what um, Pat was saying, like about well, how how he likes conflict. Like I don't necessarily like conflict. I'll have it, but I don't necessarily like it. And the you know the questioning usually comes from, to be honest, like you know Pat's mum, who I'm in contact with a lot, and. Like Pat says, like you just have to get out of the conversation as quickly as possible, and that's kind of what I've learned to do because I I really respect Pat's mom and she, you know, helps us out a lot and we love her and but she raised Pat and her son very differently to how we're raising Oaks and Arrow and when there are those questions, I usually try and yeah just either be like okay yes or no and and then kind of try and move on or depending on the mood or depending on how many times it's happened, like I will put my foot down and be like, actually, no, I don't, you know, or I'll just say, I don't want to talk about that. And she's pretty respectful. So, um, basically just kind of echoing what Pat said about just choosing your battles and yeah, know your audience, know the person yeah. you're talking to, if it's worth it, you know, like for me, if another parent questioned what I was doing, that's going to be a much more worthwhile conversation to tell them, hey, here's why I do it. Maybe you should too. Whereas if some Joe Schmo who's just an idiot who has an opinion or if there's somebody who's really single-minded who's never going to change their opinion and questions me, then I'm not going to have that same conversation. It's, right. it's not worth my time. So know your audience that you're, you're, you're combating as well. <laughs> yeah, and why are they, yeah. I also like why are they asking? Is it out of the best interest of your kid or is it just to be a dick? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just because that's not how they did it or that's like their generation did it a different way. So, yeah. And, and you know, there's a, it's funny. There's a lot of um, generational, like, sort of cultural stuff here, even in South Africa. And the one in particular is um, Oaks's hair. So, <laughs> it's he's been mistaken for, and even Arrow, he, they both have been mistaken for girls so many times here because no boy has long hair here and it's partly because of the culture especially the Afrikaans culture mm -hmm. it's you know boys don't have long hair and also at schools you're not allowed to have long hair like oh. you have to cut it above the ear and if you're a boy if you're even a boy. even public um, school they have I don't know how. uh yeah, yeah. mainly wow. public schools actually um and so you know like people often comment on his hair and you can tell the ones that really like it because they're like, wow, it's so amazing. I wish my son could grow hair like that or, you know, whatever. And, and then others are like, oh, so you, so he uh, – oh, okay. Oh, interesting. <laughs> yeah. He goes to grow he's his a, hair out. Yeah, he's got long hair. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's just interesting. Like they're trying to be polite, but you can tell like they're, they're pushing against every cultural norm in their body to not say something so about it. I love mm -hmm. it. Um, okay. Cool. I think that was a great answer. There's two more. We could do them relatively quick, I think. The first the first one is food. So I've been trying to help my kids be on the same diet as us, and I'm wondering if you have any suggestions. Society tells us that kids uh, should eat different foods than their parents, like chicken nuggets, sugary cereals, etc. Um, how do we help kids delight in making healthy choices from a young age? You what are your thoughts? don't have those foods as an option mm -hmm. for a start. I think that's like step number one. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think what we found traveling, well, just being in other people's space that don't eat like us, um, they they have these options for these kids. And then they'll even talk about, oh, I can't get my kid to stop eating noodles or something. I can't even remember what. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and it just seems I, I – As I, they're microwaving noodles. As they're, they yeah, I seem – I feel really terrible saying this, and it seems so – silly in my head but I'm like why don't you just stop giving it to them and they're like they won't eat anything else I'm like uh, they will if they're hungry they will eat something else and you know we don't have by any means like perfect children when it comes to like eating I think they're just like standard normal children they they like pizza they like um quesadillas <laughs> they're loving them quesadillas these days <laughs> Um, but we we don't make quesadillas at home. Like you know, if we go to a Mexican place or if we go somewhere that there's pizza, well, they can have pizza and they can have quesadillas. But at home, they we all eat the same thing. Yeah, we all we put the same food on the same plate. I, and like every day, I put sweet potato on Oaks's plate. He's like, Mom, I don't like sweet potato, and I just that's nice, and I still put it on his plate. And Oaks didn't like almonds for the longest time now he eats them by the handful mm-hmm. uh, and i'm not saying like maybe he never will like sweet potato but i'm still going to keep trying um i think i think that's a good separation that you made is like when we eat out we accept that it's the ease of having the child eat is sometimes a bit more important mm-hmm. than the perfect quality of their food like very rarely do little kids menus have steak and broccoli like that's not it's crazy. Like, it's amazing. But. Yeah, I guess it pops up occasionally. But so so you, it's one of those things where when you're eating out, you have to pick your battles. Is this a time where you want to sit and fight with them and tell them to eat their food and they're going to throw the fit yeah. in the restaurant? Or or is this a time where you want them to just like come back to the table and smash a quesadilla mm-hmm. and accept the fact that they're going to have white poop for the next little while? You know, like <laughs> Again, and, it goes and, back to picking your battles. Exactly. <laughs> well, dairy yeah, yes. Whereas at home, I think that's that's your domain and you should be trying to eat there as much as you can, A, for monetary reasons, and B, you have control over everything that's happening. Um, if you can eat at home more often, you can make your kids have better decisions because you just don't provide alternatives. Whereas when you go to the restaurant, like you can accept less quality because that's, that's the nature of eating out. You've done that to yourself. And yeah, and I think for us too, like because – we're in each other's space 24 seven and we, you know, we do tend to eat out like a little bit, probably a little bit more than we'd really like to. Um, especially if we don't have a kitchen and for us, like having the kids just sit down and eat something so we can like have a couple of minutes to talk is, is really important. And South Africa is great because a lot of the places they have playgrounds. So that's actually so cool. kind of nice, but, um, so far, Durban hasn't really had any playgrounds. Yeah. Um, I, w- I would say also find your staples. So there's a couple yeah. things that kids will generally gravitate towards that are healthy, mm-hmm. um, depending on your definition of healthy. Like our kids still, we have the hardest time getting them to eat vegetables, but they'll munch a carrot. They'll like sit and, carrots. He'll eat raw vegetables. Yeah. But, no, well, no, he won't sit. What, what raw vegetables will he eat? Carrots and peppers and cucumber. Um, occasionally he'll eat part of a cucumber. So this is, this is what I do now with the kids rather than saying we're going to have dinner or lunch. I just make them a plate of food and I call it a snack. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> and as long as they know or think it's a snack, they'll eat it. 
if I say this is your dinner and put the exact same food on the plate, like for some reason they have this like this like weirdness about dinner that it's like that I'm not sure. Maybe it's our expectations or something that we've put on them in the past or something. But um, yeah, we just call everything a snack or I just make a plate and put it down. And I think the other thing also with trying to get them to eat the same is, um, and we've kind of come full circle with this is like not, not forcing them to eat. Mm-hmm. Like we're trying to sometimes do like, Sometimes like we're, we're like, Oh, Oxy's just have a couple more pieces of meat before you leave the table or whatever, you know, we'll like encourage like, right. and if he's like, no, I don't want to, or we're like, okay, that's fine. But it's never like you have to eat this. That's like with Evie, if I put food in front of her while she's sitting, she'll reach for my bowl, which will have the same food in it. And then I'll give her some from my bowl and then she'll eat it. So I feel like it starts at a young age where you can almost like, without, I don't want to say I'm like tricking my kid, but um, you just work with what, what you, what you can. I think that's awesome. Totally. Yeah. And, and, and it might just be like small steps. Like if your kid is eating sugary cereals right now and Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just too hard for you to switch to, you know, not eating a cereal, like just slowly wean them down to like, Hey, let's call the weekend cereal weekend or something like, you know, Saturday and Sunday, you get to have a bowl of cereal. And then next month it's like Sunday's cereal day. Or I, I don't know. Just like if, if, if going cold Turkey with all the bad food or food that have crept into their, their diet is just too hard to just suddenly take them out. Then, um, then I think like a, a staggered kind of wean, wean them off a little bit. And I also think like I have this rule and I kind of implemented it on Pat too. But like whatever we're eating, they're allowed to eat. So if for some reason we're sitting there eating a bowl of cereal, then they can have the bowl of cereal. So usually if Pat like for some reason wants a bowl of cereal, <laughs> he hasn't had one for a while, but I'll either make him eat it like when the kids go to bed or in the other room or um, – and if for some reason Oaks is up, then Oaks is allowed some. That's fair. So – Otherwise, it's it's yeah. pretty hypocritical. I think it's important as parents that we aren't hypocrites to our kids. Otherwise, they'll learn to be as well. Right. That's awesome. Okay. Um, speaking of, Pat, are you still on the no sugar for a year? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Strong. Yep. Cool. Yeah. I think once I decide on something, like a year-long challenge, it's pretty easy for me to stick Commit. to. Yeah. I'm not eating any <laughs> sugar right now, and I feel so good. I don't even want it anymore <laughs> at all. Yeah, I don't feel any different. Feel about you don't? the same. That's funny. Oh no, not at all. Like I, the same thing when I did no alcohol for a year. I don't. I don't. It doesn't change how I feel. I don't feel better or worse. It's just that'd be hard for me to stick it, with if I didn't feel different. Oh really? Yeah. Why do it if it doesn't make it doesn't better your life? Because <laughs> the taste of sugar is better than not feeling any different. I don't know. Props to you. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you. Okay, okay here's the last question. Yeah, it's mental for. I get that. Rusty's kind of doing it with me right now, which is really cool. Um, nice. Okay. You, so feel free to answer this in as much detail or as little as you want, or just say pass. But you've mentioned a few times on the podcast about having a third child. Once you have two biological kids, does adoption or fostering start to come up? The thought of maybe the thought of exposing a child to a lifestyle that they would not have a chance to have otherwise. So that's something you guys, I, I, we've never talked about this. I'm curious to hear your thoughts. We've had one conversation about it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the thought of adopting or fostering 
is uh, is something that we've we've talked about, but we would rather at this point in time have a biological child. I think uh, I think honestly we have plenty of life in us to where if our kids next 20 years from now, all our kids are out of the house and we felt so inclined we could adopt a kid. Um, but in my mind has never come in to bring an entity like that into our household. And what I mean by that is it's an unknown in so many ways. Um, and I'm not saying it's the wrong thing to do. It's just for us and our life and our current situation. It doesn't make sense, but in my mind, uh, I'm Taz may think differently, but, uh, I, I mean, I'm going to have to reflect on it a bit. I haven't, I haven't given it much serious thought because it's just not something that's entered my brain, but yeah, I think it's just so outside of our realm of like what we've been exposed to. We don't really know anyone like personally that, you know, well, well, actually that's not true. We just, we haven't really, we haven't really indulged in the topic at all. We've just briefly talked about it and, and as like, kind of like, yeah, I think we could do that one day, but it was never like that day being like tomorrow, you know, I think like Pat said, like down the road, it could be, a possibility but right now um i would love to own a giant farm and yeah. be able to adopt like 11 kids and yeah. raise like 11 amazing people and just <laughs> is it legal i don't know <laughs> i don't know what i'm you saying mean you like, want you want a tribe to work your farm is that what you're Wait, saying no <laughs> that's, that's not even remotely what i was saying so let me let me rephrase that what I'm saying is I would love a space that, that you could not even adopt as like parents, but as a positive role model. And mm-hmm. I think I've thought more about how I could include and be a positive role model in other, other kids' lives that don't have those role models. So I haven't thought of the adoption route. Maybe it's because of the investment that's in that. But I really think that it would be great to be a positive role model mm-hmm. for like a father figure for for people who don't have and that. And I think I think we we've talked about that as well because we would love we would love to have more positive adult role models in our kids' lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually really interesting. I'm reading this book at the moment called oh, I don't even know what it's called. It's just it, the book is about um, adult relationships, adult attachment over peer attachment, and how like with the digital world and how kids are now having greater peer attachments versus having attachments with their family. And so they're basically the parents are losing kids to their friends because they no longer have this attachment to their kids. And so then basically when kids lose attachment to their parents and they shift it to their friends, they don't really care about their parents anymore. And people are seeing it happening like everywhere. And just because it's talking about how, having kids need other adult mentors and other adult attachments, you know, like teachers or friends, parents, or, you know, family. And um, I think we're in our society today, we're just like losing that. And friends are now relying on each other for all this connectiveness and closeness, which they don't get from other kids. The only thing they get is just being close to each other and they don't get any emotional support. They don't learn anything. Um, So I think what, We've totally gone off topic, but having um, having other adult mentors in mm-hmm. kids' lives 
is so Huge. awesome. Yeah. And like I think we would love to find a school. We'd love to create a school that mm. with all our friends because we trust our friends. Oh, yeah, friends. we've talked about this. Yeah, with, our, with you know, like how one day it would just be like, okay, today you're going off and you're doing wilderness survival with Jill and Eric. Mm-hmm. And, you know, because I trust them 100% with my children and, and I want my kids set. to be around them. Yeah, And then tomorrow you're going to do, yeah, and then you're going to go and do, make some food with Laura and Tez. And, mm-hmm. um, anyway. That's rad. We talk about that all the time. That's one of our responses when we get the question about potentially homeschooling. Um, that's always what we say is like, well, potentially we'll share that homeschooling experience with a bunch of other adults who offer different skill sets and different experiences mm-hmm. and different mindsets. And a kid can learn more that way, I think, than going to the same teacher every day and sitting in the same desk and learning the same way. Um, I think that's pretty powerful. Well, I think there's value in going to the same teacher every day. Yeah. But I do also think there's value in, in having sharing that responsibility for sure. Teachers. But, um, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So. Cool. Yeah, I like it. We're going to start school. I think it's the next project. I'm in. Add it to the, we got warm and workout. We got yoked fit. We've got tribe life. We've got all the things that's out of school. I'm in. Um, well, okay. So on that note, then where can people find you? Um, look for the school coming in 2030. And in the meantime, <laughs> where else? Twenty thirty. Okay, twenty. Kids will be out of school by that time. That's <laughs> true. Yeah. <laughs> You'll learn everything you uh, need to know from them, and then do it. Do it again. There we go. There we go. Um, they can find us at the tribelife.com. dot com. Life dot family. They can tr- find us on Instagram at the tribe life. They can also find us Taz Water. at. Taz Barber. You can find me at Pat Barber CF. They can find Yoked at yoked.fit. All kinds of fun stuff. Warm, warm up, up and workout. They can find it warmupandworkout.com or Instagram warm up and workout. Sweet. And I will link to all of those in the show notes as well so you guys can find it quickly. Do you guys have any last thoughts or words of wisdom before we sign off here? You're probably ready for bed after I mean, that 18.1. Just kidding. Go uh, on. <laughs> I mean, just kind of in general, the theme of our, our podcast is just something I always think about is like, there's no one right way to do this, this whole parenting thing, life thing, I guess. So try to learn as much as you can from the people around you who you trust and see what they did and why they did it. Be as reflective as possible. See if what you're doing is currently working. Um, and then, I mean, we've talked about it a bit with some other people, but be vulnerable enough to share these things with other people and see if you can get them to share the same thing back. That's all I have. Mm. That's good. And I guess I one thing, not one thing, just in general, spending as much time with your family as possible. Like, and, and that means something different for everyone, I think, you know, because a lot of people obviously don't have the luxury of being in each other's space 24-7 like we do. But it's when we first started, you know, it it, it did it was hard to just be all of us all the time because we weren't used to it because our, our kids did go to school a few days a week and we have Pat's mum around and we had a lot of help. Um, but 
there's people that obviously have to do what we're doing, um, not through choice, but because there is no other choice. But I think if you have the choice to spend time with your family, you should do it because it's gotten significantly easier for us the, the more we do it and significantly better and more fun and just, just awesome. That's so cool. So, yeah. I love it. Sweet. Well, thank you both so much for coming on. For me, it was selfishly a huge pleasure to get to talk to you for over an hour. And I think our listeners will feel the same way. So thank you. I'm grateful for you both. And uh, we'll have to have you on again and maybe do some sort of a giveaway once Yoked uh, launches for reals in the spring. Yeah, yeah. We'd love that. Cool. Give thank it away. You. Awesome. All right. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time. Hey guys, Jess here. Just wanted to give you the heads up on a great deal that we don't want you to miss out on. Laura and I have recently teamed up with our friends at ButcherBox to bring you an amazing offer on premium grass-fed, hormone, and antibiotic-free meats delivered right to your door. We've absolutely been loving the opportunity to put together our own custom boxes of the highest quality beef, pork, and chicken. And we definitely don't want you guys to miss out on the chance to try it too. Right now, if you visit butcherbox.com forward slash modern mamas, you get the chance to get $10 off of your first box plus two free 10-ounce grass-fed ribeyes. You definitely don't want to miss out on this deal, friends, so get on it.